guys got busted or got convicted. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no. I w- they killed the black guy. I, I, I didn't follow the case closely, but I, I couldn't imagine that that they that any jury would let them go. I mean, they, I mean, pe- people do. Maybe you see people outside and they seem suspicious, but you can't chase them down with your truck and shoot them with with a hunting rifle or whatever they did. They three rednecks in Georgia. Yeah. With with guns. Yeah. You know, and one black guy jogging down the street. Right, and really, just whatever he might have been doing, even if he was like looking in cars. I mean, it's still you're not allowed to murder people because you, you know, yeah, that was a real situation where it seemed like it was uh, vigilante type stuff. And I'm not sure where the energy of that was coming from. I mean, there have been a lot of the the. the it's been strange. I mean, I'm just pointing out that in in America in 2019 there was a lot of. Uh, Black Lives Matter riots, and um, there was a lot of you know people that were going and just breaking down stores, and and I think that in our in our situation with our smartphones, collectively, you know there was so much information out there hitting us. You know, it's different than ten or fifteen or twenty years ago, where every single event that, that takes place, people are, 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 are recording it and they're doing it for effect. So they're running out on the highway with signs or stopping traffic and that's that, that's a little bit of, of a disruption but when you show it on on uh, social media and millions of people are watching it, it's people in their homes are getting upset. They're not on the highway. They don't even live in that state. They, they don't really, yeah. are, but, but they just but the effect of it is being multiplied and so I think that it's creating a level of hysteria I think that they are reacting to it. I think that they are reacting to what the TV is is saying, um, what the what their, their, their smartphones are saying. People are feeling like, on some level, that they're under assault. So, I think that was part well, of it. E- even the Rittenhouse well, case. The guy, yeah, the guy was jo- he was jogging, <clears throat> and these rednecks pull up in a truck and rob us beside him and tell him, "Stop! That we want to make a citizen's arrest." Basically. Because you can do that in Georgia. No, you can. And he okay. didn't, he didn't stop, that. and he kept running. And then the I probably would have kept running, too. Yeah, I would have probably kept running, too. I know. So the cops stop, and they stop in front of him. And he runs around the truck, and the guy has a shotgun pointed at him. And he's trying to take the shotgun away from him. And then he got shot. I'm not sure if that guy shot him or if one of the guys in the truck shot him. But if I'm being chased by... A truckload of rednecks. I, I'm gonna run, you know. I mean, well, in the in the state of Florida, it, it, there was some apparently some robberies happened in that neighborhood. That's and they just they just took it into their own hands. Right. Yeah, they're gonna go to prison for the rest of their lives. I mean, I think if it was Florida, Ahmad Arbery, the victim, he probably could have just shot them. You know what I mean? After he ran away, and then after he he ran away from their truck, and then after he tried to run out front of their truck, if they came out of the truck and came at him with the gun, he probably could have been he probably could have fired on them and been justified for standing his well, ground. He, didn't have it. he was unarmed. Well, he he probably should have been. He probably should have been armed. That, that, that's another thing. I, I think that I think we ought you know I think more it's probably counterintuitive, but more weapons are probably better for you know for people to have respect for one another. I mean. Mutually assured destruction. Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I mean, that's how it always was. I mean, and I think that it creates a, like a, a sense of of respect. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, yeah, those guys are murderers, and there's nothing else that can be said about it. And um, I think that the, I think that the society at large is 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 is, is acting responsible. There's a huge energy outside the, outside the courtroom that wants the, the these individuals to be held accountable. And and that's what happened. So I think that I think it's totally different than the Rittenhouse case. But I think the Rittenhouse case goes back to what I was saying about hysteria. I mean, I think that the in, in Wisconsin, the they wouldn't allow the the National Guard to come in. They pulled back the state troopers. They pulled back the uh, the, the police. So they just let Kenosha burn with the, the anger of the mob. So I think that. The fact that you have somebody like Rittenhouse being chased down and he has to fire his weapon is still part of the the social media um, hysteria that's being developed over these issues, you know? So you can see that people are coming out 
to these riots because on some level they're going to be filmed and because it's some kind of like big event to be a part of, you know, to see what's going to happen, you know, and, and so you have all these people. I feel people. like he was looking for trouble. He was, he was there supposedly to help protect his friends used car line. Right. But what's a 17 year old doing with an AR-15, you know? Well, I mean, if we were just looking at an article about the youngest uh, man to, to join in the Civil War, he was 12, Clem, I think. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know, at the same time, if he's there to protect a business and then he gets, it's the same kind of dynamic, he gets pursued by people who are pursuing him because they think that you know, they can threaten them. I mean, as soon as you start to chase someone and to, to, to you know, the, 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 and attack them with a, with a skateboard, if you try to hit me with a skateboard, I'm going to shoot you. I mean, this is Florida. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? If I'm like going down the sidewalk and I'm being, you know, I'm being overtaken by other men who are trying to kick me in the head and, and hit me, I'm shooting, you know? So that's just yeah. their fault. They, they got their self shot by chasing him. And, you know, yeah. you know, I agree with the verdict. Totally. Yeah. I mean, 17, I mean, to send him away for the rest of his life. For, for, now, if he would, uh, if he would have chased those people to hysteria. Yeah. If they, if he would have chased them down the street and shot them, it would have been a totally different thing, but that's really the nature of this law and, and the nature of, 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 a, of a gun is, is how it's used. And it, 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 the gun itself is just an inanimate object. And whether it kills or not, or whether it defends and saves life, or whether it takes life, is all up to the individual who's uh, holding it. You know, so... I mean, a skateboard's a deadly weapon if, if you use it right. I think that those people... I think the, the, the thing that you have to ask yourself is, one of the, the men pointed a gun at Rittenhouse, a, a handgun, which was illegally owned. So he was, he was possessing the, the handgun illegally, Rittenhouse owned his gun legally. So there's a whole thing. Like, we're, we're actually trying to punish legal gun owners. And the one individual who, who pointed a loaded Glock at him, no one ever questions that. I mean, he, he, for, from what I understand, he was ever arrested for, for owning that, 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 that weapon, you know, that he, he pointed at Kyle Rittenhouse. So there's the other side of it, like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, rioters, and, and provocateurs. I don't have any sympathy for them. If you go into no, if you go into Kenosha, you know, and just trying to raise hell and trying to like beat up white people, and you get shot, what the hell with you. I don't care. You know, I mean, just leave people yeah. alone. Don't go. Don't go to Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse had more right to be in Kenosha than any of those riders there that night because they don't not from they're from like Southern California or New York, and they're, they're just. I mean, and they were there to riot. They right. were there to destroy. Yep. And he was there to protect. Line. Well, before that, the night before, I mean, the, the, the town was being put through hell. I mean, the, the, earlier that day, he was at the high school where they were ta they were removing spray paint because the people went through and spray painted everything, so they were cleaning it. So I think this, the, 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 the town and, and the county was reacting to what, what the, the fact that the governor had pulled all the police out and, and would not allow the National Guard. If they had a police presence and a National Guard presence there... It would have been a totally different situation, you know. So I think that it was totally lawless. Even when Rittenhouse was running, he was trying to go to the police, but they they backed up and they kind of like they didn't want anything to do with it, you know. No, they were watching. Right, that's uh. pathetic. Those those cops should should feel like assholes. I mean, they're they're weak. And that's the one thing that Antifa and the Black Lives Matter is showing to the whole world and to, to the country is that the police force is really weak. They're on an individual level. When they pull you over and rip you out of your car and throw you in jail, they have power, but they don't have any power when you get a couple hundred people and running around, you know, especially when the, 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 the tide of the political current is going in, in your direction. I think that, um, if, if it's not politically popular, like Black Lives Matter, it's politically popular with Nancy Pelosi and and with in Hollywood. It's, it's, it's mostly white people, for what I've seen. But it's it's something to belong to. People want to belong to something. They want to be a part of a group. They want to be part of a, a new movement. They want to show solidarity with with people who are struggling. And, and yeah, these these are young, rich white people who who have been they've been growing up their entire lives to believe that 
that the earth is getting warmer and that we only have 13 more years before climate change is going to destroy the earth and, and AOC, these are millennials. I mean, these, these guys have been growing up with this kind of white guilt. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't believe in the word white and black. I don't believe that white and black are really terms that describe racial features. Uh, You know what I mean? I think that people are from different parts of the world. And if your ancestors were close to the equator, then you you adapted to have more melanin in your skin. And if your ancestors were farther away from the equator, then they they have less melanin, right? It's just pretty simple. So, but we're, we're just so caught up in it, black and white. I mean, there's so many different variations of our skin tone as humans, right? That black and white is not sufficient to describe people that they're just the terms of, of, of chaos, the terms of, of conflict, and they create conflict between us when we think of ourselves as different, like, you're white, I'm a black. We're, you know, they're, they're oppositional forces. And they're, they're forces of black magic, you know, black and white magic. And they, so there, there's a black deeper... Black white tile floor. Yeah, right. There's a deeper occult, you know, mechanism there that's keeping us at each other's throats. I think that that's why they had to kill uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King Jr. both. I mean, for one, they were both heretics, right? They were both... Well, I mean... Martin Luther King Jr. was a Protestant, he was a Baptist, and Malcolm X was a Muslim. So they were both heretics, and they were both showing the, the black community and the, and, and the black culture that, that you, could, you could be intellectually, you could be raised up intellectually and economically to this higher level, and they were, they were raising the black people up to a new level. So I think that the, the, the future of black America was, was, was coming forward and I think that the divorce rates in the black community were were lower. Uh, they're, they're, I think the the black community during that time with Martin Luther King, the 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 morality was such that uh, it was it was a higher degree. And it, so at, at that time, when they killed them, they they ultimately wanted to unwind the cultural development of. African Americans in America, so that you have now Little Wayne. Those, those are the cultural icons, right? You have Little Wayne. You have rap stars who who rap constantly about murdering and selling crack and and, and shooting guns and and slapping hoes and you know what I mean. So the the moral integrity of the community is gone. You know, back you know the idea of of uh, the, the 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 marriage. The marriage statistics are, are absolutely abysmal. For the black community right now, not not picking on them, but I'm just pointing out that maybe 20 or 30 percent of the black community is married. But if you go back to the time of, of Martin Luther King Jr., it was up around 70 percent. So I think that the work to dismantle and destroy the black community is well underway. And now, if you turn around and, and you and you get the you get people to be amped up about white supremacy, it's not going to uh, directly uh, you know address the issues. Uh, of de- degradation and and kind of uh, and, and moral decline that are being uh, you know, superimposed onto the black community. You understand what I'm saying? So that the, the abortion rate for for for, for uh, you know black people is super high. That's that's your Holocaust. That's your annihilation. Don't look around for white supremacy. Look at at the the abortion rates. It's a Holocaust against uh, black children for even being born. So that, that's really what my main concern is here. The Democrat Party used to be the party of the Ku Klux Klan. It was the party of segregation. It was the party of the Confederacy. Uh, you know, right. it was absolutely. So, so now the party of, of, of uh, the Confederacy and of slave, slave owners is now the party of abort, aborting 70% of black babies. So uh, there's an issue there. There's an issue there. There's a disconnect there. And I think that my concern is with is for the black community culturally, uh, so that you know, it, so they might be able to see that the war is against their future. You know, and read uh, about Margaret Sanger about exactly. Planned Parenthood. Yep. I mean, she says that basically black people need to be exterminated like insects or right. rodents, and yep. she's the founder of you can look it up of Planned Parenthood. Yeah, look up Hillary Clinton's. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's just loves Margaret Sanger. I think she's right. Yeah, it was ultimately a plan to 
to to bring down uh, the, the ability for the black community to become part of society. So now you know they did it with with welfare, and they did it with uh, the, the college admissions, where you have uh, where you're just going to uh, basically you're not going to require certain certain segments of the society, certain ethnic groups to actually have the scores they need to get into college. So when they get in there, they're not prepared, and it just leads to a cycle of, of failure, an institutional failure. And I think that it's the same thing with, with welfare. You know, the welfare, it, it weakens the family. It makes them dependent on the state. It makes anyone dependent on the state. So you know, the idea is to stand up on your own two feet, build your own business, and have a success, successful future. And if you have you know, welfare payments coming in and, and you, can't, you can't get married, um, because if you get married, then your income level will change and you lose your benefits. Then that means the man can never be part of the home. And so you have to have multiple children and, 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 and the father just becomes a secondary thing because now the state is now the daddy, you know? So I think I, yeah, it's so evil that there's no way that it's accidental. You know, the, I think that on some level they, they, they destroyed, it, it was at the time when they killed Kennedy. And I think they wanted to make sure that that the future of the black community would be controlled decline. You know, and I think that's what you're seeing, uh, the same thing, you know, with... with well, the, it's, yeah. it's the destruction of the family when you look at it. Right. Um, well, that's another thing. Like, if you look at BLM with their Marxist roots, if you just look, you just take one second to look at what they say, they're there to, to destroy the family, the family, the nuclear family, you know, to, to take it apart. So I think that that's well underway. And that's what you see on the streets uh, with, with Kenosha, especially is that the, the people that are out there riding with Antifa and BLM are not family people, you know, they're not people who they're just there to have abortions and to, to, you know, smoke meth in the, in the park and, and just be a vagrant, you know, that that's, that's kind of the lifestyle that they live. And, and, um, they're here to, to you know, to destroy the. Uh, and they believe they're right. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 the powerful indoctrination and propaganda that they, they go through it's in school, and so that these young people are going through the public school system, and by the time they hit the college campus, the radicals there are are are, are intellectually their arguments are more powerful. Their their grasp of history and their their analysis is more complete, so that if you can't resist it, you know I mean a lot of the questions regarding Marxism are, are going to be, you know, d divisive. So that it's all about, uh, you know, if you have white skin, you're an oppressor, and you should be upset. And if you have black skin, you've been oppressed, and you should be upset. And so it's just a matter of of enraging and, and getting people to be incensed. And, and then using that negative energy, and you can see that they're good at it. They've been doing it for a long time, especially on the college campuses. What is, um, does Nevaeh have anything to say about it? I mean, what's your stance on it? Well, they see, I mean, Bridget's pro-communist. When I, when I first, we were, we were over there in, in, in Duval County, uh, the, the, I, I was, I would ask them regularly about things, you know, just paying attention, and, and they really hadn't heard anything about the BLM stuff and then one day i asked them and they both said that they both had heard of it you know both my kids they both heard it in school you know it's it, it, around the same time and that was right when we got ready to move you know before the election so it's 2019 still yeah and i think we just we moved out here and ever since the the the, the, the it's totally different i mean we're it's just a basic you imagine rewinding back to 1985 just regular school, regular high school, Pledge of Allegiance, no mask, no no weird indoctrination. Everything is just really like good, you know. And yeah, that's I, great. Yeah, they 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 they're not getting any pressure to take any vaccine, which I, I wouldn't give it to my kids because they're kids. They're not they're not in any danger from from COVID. Uh, I think older people with with you know health issues probably are, and they're probably protected by the vaccine. But giving it to kids is. It's just a weird, like, author authoritarian, like, totalitarian, like, it's like a biomedical security state now. So everyone has to ha have the, the jab, you know, and, and so it's, it's different than other vaccines. 
they were created in the past. Uh, the term vaccine has been a definitional change to it. So it doesn't mean exactly what it used to mean. It kind of has like a corporate, it has like a trademark symbol behind it now, you know? So, so mRNA experimental drugs can be called vaccines, um, but it's, it doesn't exactly have, it's not like the polio vaccine, which, which basically it, it gives you sterilizing immunity for the rest of your life, which is pretty profound. Like how could they figure that out in the fifties? But now today we can't seem to, now, now we have a vaccine that maybe one in 15,000%, you know, you, one in 15,000% chance it might actually injure you. So I think that with those kind of statistics, it's, it's not safe. You know, I wouldn't want to give it to my kids. Uh, and I can't imagine a government forcing me to do it either. So, but no, I mean, I think it's, it's understandable why the kids are, are pro-communist. I get that because you're really trying to answer the, the dissatisfaction and the difficulties of life. You know, you know, on one side of the world, you have George Soros up in his Manhattan penthouse eating like his sirloin steak every night. And then the other side of the world, you have kids in Africa who are like eating mud brownies just to try to get through the day. And so there's this like, there's this huge uh, disconnect and this, this, this huge variation uh, between the haves and the have-nots. And so it, communism seems to simply and incisively just work all that out. And, and it's almost it's almost perfect, except for you have to have someone or some Politburo who decides everything. And as soon as you do that, you put the decision-making into human hands, and it totally, completely gets fucked. Because, because now you can decide winners. It, it, it's absolutism because you can decide who's going to eat and who's not going to eat. And you, can, you, you decide prices. And ultimately it becomes authoritarianism because you, just, you have all the power to decide everything in order to make sure everyone's equal. And so that's too much power. That's too much power for a state or for a committee or for a communist regime to have. Uh, you really can't fix the fact that... Like my dad made this analogy one time that you could take all the money in the world and divide it up between everyone. So let's say everyone gets 12 million bucks. So we're all equal. Well, in yeah. one, in one year, in one year's time, all the people who had the money before will have it all again. And all the people who were poor before will all be poor again. So you can't, you can't fix that. That's just the way it is. Some people are just like, they have it in them and they're designed to be, to be business oriented, to be entrepreneurs, and, and they're going to succeed. They're going to, and in fact, they're going to overachieve. And then you have other people who are just like, I don't care. I'm just going to, I'll be a gas station attendant the rest of my life. I'm happy. And I make eight bucks an hour and I don't care. You know, and, and they're not going to ever achieve anything more than, than that. It's, it's really, it has to be a meritocracy. It has to be up to individual merit. And you can't say that people who have scored it big and made it billion are evil. And you can't say that people who have zero are victims. This is not true. You know, it's not true at all. And so I think communi communism tries to take advantage of that little bit of avarice and jealousy we have. You know, it always tries to seek to take advantage of, of, a, of a social conflict between whites and blacks or between the poor and the rich or between just wherever it can seize on a problem in society to try to to use it as a leverage point. Because really, all you're trying to do is get the people to revolt. You're trying to get the people to revolt. If you can get the people to revolt and go go hay, go haywire, remember, you have to look, if you want to understand communism, go back to the French Revolution and the guillotine. And you'll understand communism perfectly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it starts out with all these good intentions, like we're just helping the little guy, it's for the better of everybody, but in the end, you just end up guillotining whoever you perceive are the enemies and then one day they wake up and they woke up earlier and they have the guillotine and now they're guillotining you and it just becomes a, a bloodbath and that's what happened with Stalin you know so I think that you have 50 you million 50 million he, they killed 50 million of their own people I think they realized that in the equation of, of trying to figure out how to make a worker's paradise that they couldn't they couldn't find a way to make enough resources for everybody so the way to fix it was just to kill all the extra mouths you had to feed and get rid of them. It's like abortion. They just aborted the kulaks. That's what they did. It, just, yeah. it, it was really just population control for the environment. See what I'm saying? See how, see how we're so smart now? We're so intelligent and so smart that we now figured out a way to, to make everyone agree with the, 
the uh, the policies and to make everyone kind of work with it. You know, so now we're here. It's not it's not genocide. It's depopulation. It's good. Yeah. Well, it's it's our podcast, but yeah, but uh, no, I think that I think that as I as I keep on doing the different shows, I think that you, you get you get better at it, you know. So I think that we should just keep on doing it, and um, it's gonna work, you know. I'd love to get somebody like uh, like uh, Elon Musk. Oh man, <laughs> this would be impossible. Or uh, there's there's so many I'd love to get. I, I wanted to get Walter Vife. I never thought I kind of emailed him a few. I don't even. I don't know what email it was. It was some kind of like message box. You know, I'm trying to. I'm trying you to get. I, I, well, I found a message box on their site, but I don't think it might have maybe ever reached them. Probably. <laughs> but I would like to get that interview. Yeah, that would be a good one. That would be a great one. Yeah, I'm thinking he's my, he's my hero. He changed my life. He really did. He's smart. When I when I. When I, I didn't know what was going on and what had, I knew the history of the Catholic Church, but I didn't know all the details. Yeah, who, who has time to read all that? Like, it gets, he, he like highlights all the important stuff, and um, he saves us like four months of reading that we couldn't have to do. Right. And uh, I think that, I think God puts it into certain men. To, to do that, you know, what I mean, I, or or probably wouldn't get done, you know, but obviously he was he had a very unique angle and he could he could see it from a unique perspective, and um, I mean he's a PhD, yeah, yeah, he's he's Cape Town University all the way up, and and look at what's happening with South Africa right now, in the ANC, the, the, the racism as a weapon. Of these, of this, of this kind of Marxist socialist uh, uh, regime out there is intense. So, so now you have the Boers, who are the whites of South Africa, and then you have you know the black people in Africa, and, and they've made a, a, a remarkable headway, getting the the people there to be like really at odds with each other. So the the crime wave is intense, and there's a certain amount of like you you have to go back and check out. Um, uh, Nelson Mandela, and he and, and look, he, he's been style, stylized as a freedom fighter for all Africans. And but at the same time, if you look at his connections, it's all United Nations, it's all communism and socialism, and um, they're there to to drive out the oppressor. So a lot of the racial dichotomy and and the dilemma, the the the, the racialist dilemma that we're having here in America was already being played out in South Africa for 20 years. And so it's kind of just coming here. Uh, it's, but it's already there, you know, happening there where the, the racial uh, provocation is intense. You know what I mean? There. And so here, here in America, we have a lot of multiculturalism. We have a lot of young people who will date each other. It doesn't matter what their racial background is. But I think in, in South Africa right now, it's, it's very divided between whites and blacks. Well, if you have the if you have the resources and someone has the need, then they they can take your need. They can take the need. They can move into a house that's yours. Right. Well, you have to go uh, back to if you go back to Saint Augustine and some of these other theologians. Uh, they they talked about that. They, they presented that idea that, that you know early on. So if you want to get these original. Um, these original maxims of communism are played out in the writings of St. Augustine, for instance, and, uh, and others where they they say that, that all things should be held in common so that if you have, like you said, if you have the resource and then somebody else has the need, then it's not stealing if they take it. So it, it's kind of a strange um, weaponization of the poor against the rich, you know, and so I think you're seeing that, that policy being played out uh, in, in especially in California, where you can steal up to a thousand dollars, and and the cops are basically not coming, so it's destroying, you know, the business community completely. Which is, I think, it's part of the tactic here. I think that as we go into 2022, we have to remember that in 1822 was the the count the the Council of Vienna, the Congress of Vienna, and the secret Treaty of Verona. 
happened right at that time. So that Metternich, right, von, uh, uh, Clemens von Metternich, who was the Archduke of of, uh, of Austria, he got together with all the high contracting powers of Europe, including the the King of France and the King or the, the King the King of, of, of yeah the King of France, the the British Empire, all the different monarchs were represented there. The the Tsar of Russia. And they agreed and took a solemn pact that they would, even if it took them centuries, they would use all their strength to destroy popular government and democracy and Republican uh, institutions everywhere in the world. And I think they've been doing a pretty good job, you know. And I, I think that they, the communism was something that was installed in China, kind of uh, the way that it was installed in Russia. I'm absolutely certain of that. Uh, it looks like in was in 1949, uh, the British had control over Hong Kong, and they gave it back to not just anyone, but they gave it they made they gave it back to Mao Zedong, right? So Mao Zedong is going to be the inheritor after the British imperialists are basically you know you know leaving out of the scene. They're going to leave it in the hands of the communists. So that's it's just a horrible fate. It's a horrible fate for the Chinese people. That, that, and of course, they resisted. They resisted in Tiananmen. I think it was in 1986, uh, somewhere around that time. They resisted, but they were just massacred by the government. I think that 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 blood that blood has, has been a stain on the people ever since, as far as re, re, you know, rising up, and they've been slowly uh, submerged into this this technotronic security state, so that their devices. Are watching them every day and, and telling them whether they're good citizens or not, you know. And so, yeah, that's an intense amount of, of pressure for those people to be under. I feel I feel terrible. Colonialism is is the plague of, of the world. Just, I mean, India, Africa, China. I mean, colonialism destroyed cultures, destroyed religions. Uh, there's a great documentary. It's on YouTube. It's called Guns, Germs, and Guns, Guns, Germs, and Steel, and it uh, it goes into the colonialism, uh, especially in Africa. Well, uh, I mean, I th I have a problem with with Ro Cecil Rhodes and his establishment of the diamond mines and De Beers, but that kind of continues on. You know, that kind of continues on. As far as the Boers, the Boers left uh, the, the British the Empire, they, they left the, you know, the Britain, and they were looking for a new homeland. Just the kind of the way the, the, the Puritans left and came to America, and they were looking for a new homeland, and they were trying to find a new place to be free. So these people are fleeing, they're fleeing the tyranny of the old world and ultimately if you look at the history of the Boers, they went uh, down to South Africa and they they made deals they tried to make commercial deals with the Zulus to buy land and when a different Zulu king came in, the, 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 the politics changed and they had a war and the Zulus and the Boers fought and so I mean I don't care about that, I mean that's, that's that, that seems to be not colonialism as much as it's not the same kind of colonialism you'll see when you go to India and where the, the Indian people were basically, I mean, are they Indians? Is I guess it is India. I guess the Indians in America are not really from India. So confusing. They're, these colon, these, these colonial. They're, they're now their first nation people. Right. They, they were native Americans, but now they're first nation. Okay. Well, I think that, yeah. I think we had no problem with, the with the Indian nations in America for a long time, and I think that if you look at it under Andrew Jackson, under Andrew Jackson, we had in the Indian Wars, and they decided to have a policy where they would give the Indians land with these different tribes. They made they made different agreements, and they would move the Indians to these particular lands. And they agreed to do it, I think it was in 1893, or whatever it was. And John Calhoun comes in after Andrew Jackson, and he changes the whole deal, and he moves it up. So they, they force march the Indians in the dead of winter. 
Which it was. It There's wasn't here. Right. It wasn't Andrew Jackson. If you look at the history, it was not Andrew Jackson's plan to do a, a force marching with the military in the dead of winter, where they where they they literally lost like sixty percent of of their their people to the elements. Hey, can you imagine? These are people that are used to living in the elements, but they were. They were forced march to to the, such an extent that they were they starved and they were if anyone tried to flee or, or 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 go in a different direction they were probably killed. So it was it was a policy of the American army and the American government to to genocide these Indian nations. I mean, this is something that Hitler seized on. You know, he made a point about you know what I mean. He he, he made a point about it in his book that that this is. This was good. This was a good way to deal with mongrel races, you know. Just, and, and I think that uh, I think that, that the point is is that John Calhoun was a Democrat who came in after Andrew Jackson, who was a Republican. I think that Andrew Jackson made a good deal. And I think the Indians were happy with it and they took the deal. But then when the next administration came in, he, they just ground those bastards they down. They really killed them and 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 they changed the deal and they, they just yeah the history there is just totally. Horrifying, and it gets laid at the feet of Jackson, but I don't think that that was what the original intention was, from my reading. Well, what you were talking about was called the Trail of Tears. Yeah, I, I don't think that the original plan included that. I think that that was something that John C. Calhoun did because he was a he was a Confederate and he was a Democrat, and he probably. Wanted, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think there was some bad blood in the in the the, the Indian Wars with that the politics there, so that they, they, there was probably a lot of people who who didn't care if the people if the Indians suffered or not. You know what I mean? So that's something that we can look back on history on and see that that the the abuse of of as far as the the destiny, what is it? Manifest destiny policy was ultimately. Um, some something that that d- was very destructive to to the native people, you know. And how do you address that now? I mean, it, I guess it just. I mean, I think it's a bigger issue than anything else we're dealing with. That it's not being addressed at all, you know. As far as BLM and Black Lives Matter issues, I think that the issue with the the first people that were here and how we're, how they're being dealt with even now is something that we have to. It has to weigh in our conscience and has to be an issue that we deal with. But obviously the politics is not there for it. You know, it's not popular. Okay. Well, um, I want to listen to some shows. So yeah, yeah, I have some shows I want to redo, you know, so yeah, let's, let's, let's take it apart and yeah, listen to it. I want to do more, um, the, probably some of the original ones, the original first five, I, I probably will redo again. Maybe a little to actually, actually, you know, improve it, but run through them, you know, the, the subject matter one more time. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes we, we do some interesting stuff, but, um, I think it's just the, the practice of talking and, and going through the issues. I think it just, it will get better at it. And, um, yeah. Well, I like it better when I, I don't know I'm being recorded. Because <laughs> then I try to, then I try to, I get nervous and try to, I forget what I'm saying. I think if we repeat it, if we just repetitively do it, I think it'll become more natural. And and, and it's an outlet for expression. So at some point you'll think of things that that you want to say. And I think it's important for people to hear what the, 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 the conversation is. Because so often it's curated or it's controlled or censored. I think people need to be able to hear the raw the raw ideas, you know, open, openly discussed, you know, and we need so, to make a studio and, and, and do some video at some point. Definitely. I think we should, I think we should just, well, I was going to get some micro uh, microphones and just, you know, so you could have one too, just, you know, just a better one. And like, I don't mean people, people relate to that. And what we're talking about, you know, if we can just, we can just do one of our conversations, and um, I mean, they're, they're important and they're topical. I was thinking but about anyway. some some of the shows that we have now. All we have is like the audio, and it's like you know, it's 102 minutes or just this audio stream. And I was thinking, what we could do is take the audio stream, and then as we're talking, like I see people do this with other with other videos, 
as we're talking, like whenever we whenever we discuss a subject or a personality, we could have the picture pop up on on, on video and, and show like the historical date or maybe the quote, and and then that's how we could do it. You know, we could just we could just overlay the audio with different like historical pictures and stuff that kind of pop up on cue as we're talking. You know, sure, that sounds great. And then you could yeah. take that and put it on YouTube until they take it down. You know, <laughs> but um. Yeah, if you can figure out how to get a YouTube channel, I, I did look like three times, but I ha I cannot figure it out. If you can figure oh, that out, yeah. Oh, that's pretty Okay. Because if you have a YouTube okay. channel, you can like drop it on on the Google. Okay, well, I'm going to go right, send bro. that to me, yep. and uh, I'll, talk to you. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you on on the computer later. Yeah, man. Have a great night, bud. All right, you too. All right, bye. No, I don't know. I mean, uh, people. That's just a guess because usually talk about people too. People things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I, I don't mind kind of getting some downtime and some alone time and just kicking back and just you know. I have to sure, go, I've been working like sixty hours, so I have to go out a lot, and then I have to drive an hour. It's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to get those to get those checks and to make things happen, and um, so whenever they're like, okay, well, on your days off, we're gonna ride down to another city four hours away. I'll just be like, I'll try to find a way to get out of it so I can lay down. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, okay, I think that I think that I mean, I have I mean, the institution of the papacy itself is not like. It's not really fundamentally flawed. I mean, I guess it, it is it, it, theologically and doctrinally. But I mean, like, if you look at, I mean, Pope John Paul the First, the smiling Pope, who got himself often like thirty-three days. He was like the healthiest right. Pope you ever seen. He probably would have been an excellent Pope, I and mean, he probably would have caused the Catholic Church to be in an, an excellent position, you know, and even, you know in harmony in the, in the larger extent with, you know, but it's really the fact that, that, that evil takes hold of, you know, evil and, and hubris is useful to that end. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate sin of Satan hubris. Right. I mean, I think of the papacy, like, I mean, when you think that like the Lord was tempted in the wilderness and Satan showed him all the, kingdoms of the world throughout time, you know, just and, and showed him this wonderful vision of, of having basically the whole world if, and he would give it to him if he would just simply kneel and bow and of course the Lord, you know rebuked that and would have nothing to do with that so it seems like the next guy, the next guy in line behind the Lord is the Pope and he definitely just jumps down on his knee and he kneels and he, he worships Satan and he gets all the kingdoms of the world and so he, he seems to be to me to be the uh, the figure of the Antichrist, like the specter but, of the Antichrist. But the, but the but the key of that whole passage is this: he asked, he he offers him bread, and he says, "It is written, man does not live by bread alone." And then he says, "Well, get all the angels to uh, jump off the cliff, and surely legions of angels will uh, will save you." And he said, it is written, do not tempt the Lord thy God. Right. Each one, he says, it is written. Are you beeping? No, somebody's uh, calling me. Uh, maybe your auto warranty has expired now and they have to check in. And I have to check it out. Or my new homeowner's, my new homeowner's insurance. Exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, I think that in larger extent, I just, I think that we're looking at I was reading the history of the the concert of, of the nations or the the concert of the imperial estate if you really want to look at it. But if you go back to Metternich, and it was really Walter Weiss who kind of got me. Just little tidbits here and there. But if you look at von, uh, Clemens von Metternich, Prince of Austria, the the Archduke, and, and so on and so forth. And of course, he was a grand papal knight, you know, probably knight of Malta or whatever, what have you, knight of the equestrian order or whatever it is. And uh, at that time, it was 1822. 1822, correct. So 1822, they have the 
Congress of Vienna. And then right after that, in a similar time period, was the, the Secret Treaty of Verona. And they got all the high, I always talk about this, but the high contracting sovereign authorities and powers of Europe together to sign these treaties. And to and basically they got together and they swore allegiance to the end of time that they would destroy all popular governments and national sovereignties and all Republican democracies and all forms of, of, of electoral, like, uh, uh, sovereign, you know what I mean, national endeavors yeah. around the world because they, in, in, to the end that they would empower imperialism again, you know. So And they created their own false flag with Archduke Ferdinand, you know. Yeah, I think so. I think that, that, that's what, that's what, I was always that's confused. Europe into the war. war. Am, am I the only one who, who's? I'm, I'm kind of confused about exactly what happened there. He was in Sarajevo. Why? Somebody killed him. That started a huge war. I, 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 I don't really get that lever action of how that. I mean, I guess I do because it was the uh, the assassin. I think it was orchestrated by the Germans. Right, the assassin was definitely probably, uh, you know, uh, from the Society of Jesus, probably just a, a gun, you know, probably a, a, somebody they sent in. Uh, yeah, Rick, yeah, Rick, I, I thought that before, too. Ravaliac or whatever, I can't remember how the whole thing goes, but, um, yeah, I mean, they, but they definitely set it off right there. I don't know, but that's how they do it, I guess. Um, the Reichstag. Yeah. The flags have been around forever. Well, that, <laughs> that's what somebody was talking about. We, we were listening to this this one speaker. And he was talking about the uh, the Reichstag the Reichstag virus. That's what we were dealing with. Was the right uh, Reichstag virus? Yeah. So. Uh, right. And I think we are. It's interesting how all these different internationalist. Uh, institutions kind of like were into life. They just kind of come into being like the World Health Organization, like whoever even knew what they ever did. But now all of a sudden they're regulating, you know, this or that. And it's, 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 it's interesting to watch all these different kind of facets of the globalist dictatorship kind of kick on, you know? And, um, it's, it's, it's happening. It's, yeah. it's, it's going forward. It's happening. It's there's there's no stopping it. We can resist, and uh, I'll resist, but it will be futile. It's 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 happening. Yeah, I was just doing this report where we were listening to Natalie Winters, and you should listen to it. It's, it's really it's brilliant. It's it's fascinating, but she's really smart. Uh, but she's discussing how um, the as far as the, 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 it's like the Tiananmen, it's the new Tiananmen Square, you know, because the the elites in the West and the elites in China have really merged. It's, it's what they call elite merger. And now the really super wealthy have kind of come to the conclusion that they can, they can come to some kind of arrangement, you know? And so I think on some level, you're seeing that with Biden and um, you can see that the instrumentality of it coming forward is that you just have all the other people, the little people, the peasants, the, the, the little plebs that are in the way. And uh, they're easy to to uh, identify because they just wear a red hat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think that um, it's the polarization of the whole society. And uh, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, where, where I'm at, it's strange because we're like in the last vestige of, of freedom in the world, you know, because it seems like Australia has kind of gone down and other places and, and, um, Australia, Austria, Italy, your, your EU is done. I mean, in Canada, basically truckers can't go back and forth between the United States and Canada unless they get the vaccine now. So little by little, they're trying to just, you know, break the whole system down here. I don't know how, how it's going to work, but. I'm not taking it because I just don't need it, I, and I don't. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who never goes to the hospital or get, gets anything, so I'm definitely not going to do this, you know. And I don't, I don't see it as a requirement for me to continue to exist and yeah. do what they say. And I'm definitely not going to ever do it. And that's, you know, so if you wanted to isolate that guy and find him, you definitely did it. I'm not going to, but I don't know how they can. They can regulate who takes it, but I don't see how they can regulate who doesn't take it. I think that's kind of the thing. It's like a screening process. And uh, someday soon, in order to like renew my license, I'll have to get it or where, however it goes. 
But it looks like Ron DeSantis is a champion. I don't know how your take is on it, but he looks like yeah, a, uh, a super, I a superhero. Trump DeSantis ticket. I could run with that, yeah. Yeah. I like the um, um, the gentleman um, uh, who was the running the CIA. The uh, I can't remember his name, but um, I liked him. I don't his know. Name. Anyway, yeah. Can't think of it right now. <laughs> The libations, the libations in the downtime needed. Yeah. But I'll think well, of it in like two minutes. Go ahead, man. Go chill out, and I'll talk to you later if you want. I'm chilling. I'm chilling right now. I mean, we're... we're oh, okay. I mean, yeah, okay. I'm just saying why I can't think of it. <laughs> yeah. But he was... He, Mike Pompeo, right? I can see him on the ticket. I like him. He seemed like he was sincerely... Yeah, an American. Now he was he was under Bush or Clinton. Um, I'm not sure. He was he was the uh, the lead. Uh, I guess he was he graduated first in his class at West Point, and he was the CIA director for a while. I, I don't know where where it comes into play, but I think he I think he can identify who the real targets and real enemy is. I think that the the, the Biden team can't do it. They can't. They, they're like, they're letting the um. They're, they're basically like walking intelligence assets of China. I figure that China already like corrupted them a long time ago, and now they just weaseled them into the Oval Office. <laughs> and Obama looms in the background of, of of Biden too, so you can't like take the yard off the ball there. Like what's really happening, you know? So I think we're looking at like a new a neo Bolshevik arrangement here. I think we're like I'm out here with the kulaks. I, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm right here with the kulaks, so when it comes time to silence the masses, you know. But I guess the kulaks weren't armed. And I think these people out here, I think they're armed to the teeth, and I think they're just going to keep on buying more ammo every day with the more shit that goes on, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're working out, like, a, engineering a different policy, a more, uh, a more nuanced strategy of, like, because they, they did starve the kulaks with Stalin, right, so... I guess there wasn't it really. Yeah, you know, yeah ammo was needed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I. I think they're scared of Americans armed, and uh, that's the only thing holding them back from being even more brazen than they're being on the left. Absolutely, absolutely, quintessentially true. I totally agree. I think that. And that's really not much. I think the the new. I think the, the the more and more I think about this kind of weaponry, it, it seems like it's getting more and more outmoded with time too. So I think that I think that there is really the way technology works. We don't really have the same advantage that George Washington had when I guess they seized a lot of gunpowder and got some big cannons so they could have big boy guns. But yeah, yeah. I mean this this regime in Washington now is totally completely polarized to the extreme left, I guess, if you could call it that. Um, it's not even extreme left. It's, it's some abomination. Yeah, it's it's like it's like total... I think, I mean, how do you become treasonous? How do you how do you just burn your own house down, your own, your own nation down, and or, or open the gates in the dark of night for your enemies to come in and, and, and butcher the place? I, I don't know that... I don't know how the anti... I'm frustrated with America. Like, I'm frustrated with our history and our past and, like, the difficult questions. But at least we're open and honest about it. Like, in the CCP in China, all those... You know, all that openness and truth of history is closed and you just get, like, a, you get to have a fairy tale story and that's all you get. You don't get to have the truth. So I think that... Yeah, part of having the truth is part of... is ha having difficult, uh, disturbing realities to face. And I think that's part of what we need to do. We can't just want to turn it all off and take down the statues of the of the Civil War fighters because it's so upsetting. That's just that makes me just you know, insane. You know, the, the idea, the idea behind it is to make people feel helpless that they're helpless against this movement that there's nothing they can do about it to stop it. That's the it's, that's the psychological warfare part of it. It's a psyop. Total demoralization. I mean, my grandmother graduated from Lee High School. My father graduated from Lee High School. 
I attended Lee High School. My sister graduated from Lee High School, and my two daughters graduated from Lee High School. Now it's Riverside High School. But they're still the generals. Right. They're the football team. So they'll take the Riverside generals. High School generals. Gotcha. Well, I guess you get to keep that little bit intact. Maybe someday in a future time you'll put it back. I mean, just because the whole point is is that it's about true history, and then when you have to cover up and and cur- curate true history away so that you can just have like a newfangled uh, cover up name is really sad and it's kind of disturbing because we need to know about what Lee what was about and what you know those lessons of history are, are just right there. They're fresh. So you know, Lee was considering fighting for the Union. Well, it was a tough spot for everyone in the entire country because the women definitely weren't going to shoot. So every man had to kind of like man up and decide what where where he came down on it. So it was kind of like an IQ test. But also, it was it was uh, it was the controversy that was really kicked off by. It it could have been solved legislatively. I mean, it was a controversy that was kicked off by by uh, you know. By prop- propaganda and other things that they wanted to, that, that, you know, people that wanted to incite that war anyway, you know. So, I mean, you had John Brown running around the countryside, like killing people in the South who he perceived were slave owners, whether they were or not. Yeah. He, you know, he just kind of went apeshit and he, he was trying to start a war. So, I mean, um, there's difficulty there with that. He kind of looked like Abraham Lincoln a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just he comes to mind because I just now watched a, a show of it's called uh, Free Bird. It's, it's it's like a little it's a it's a it's a history and a kind of a dark comedy about John Brown, and um, it has Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke plays John Brown. <laughs> and, oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's actually you know made me it's really kind of thought provoking and made me think of that, but. Yeah, the Civil War time was a complex thing, so these men had to fight. They'd decide, like, e- either way, you were picking a losing side because I mean, why should the Americans have to kill each other? But but obviously, the issue over slavery, you know, it was like, a te- it was a tectonic, it was a tectonic, tectonic shift that was going to take place. So, um, I think Abraham Lincoln would have restored the the quorum of the federal government, you know, as far as the, the legislature and the Senate and so on and so forth. But they shot him in the face and they went into reconstruction and we all became worse off really than the, the slaves were. shot him in the face. Yeah. And, and of course it was Surratt and them and they were, Mary Surratt was, you know, that's why, yeah, she, you know, she got hung because they were really intensely Catholic in their beliefs, and uh, I think the Vatican was pissed off because they did snatch one of their priests up, and, and uh, Father, I uh, can't remember his name, but he got hung too. And um, so I think that the, the Vatican administration was seriously in, infuriated with him, and they uh, that showed when they shot him in the face at Ford Theater. <laughs> so Ford Theater was the place where Lincoln was shot, historically. And of course, it lasted for a long time, as long as they wanted people to remember that history. And uh, after they wanted people to forget. What did, what did Bruce say when he deathed Iris? Yeah, he said, six separate Tyrannus or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that 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 is bearing out. <laughs> right, that's bearing out to be more and more true over time. I think that the Yankees in the North could be proud for a long time that they wore the blue and that they freed the slaves and that they had Lincoln. But now Washington D.C. is becoming a corrupt and obnoxious and horrifying uh, dictatorship of the elite. You know, at, you know, really the the party. It's the uniparty at the top. You know, you got. Mitch McConnell, and he, of course, he's been married to, I'm just saying, a Chinese spy for 30 years, in my opinion. I mean, her family 
Mitch McConnell's wife, his Chinese wife, her family is one of the super rich elite families in China. Just saying, I mean, nobody wants to talk about Mitch McConnell's wife. <laughs> oh yeah, she's she she's so tied in to um, the the Russian elite, or the I'm sorry, the Chinese elite that it's it's it's, it's striking. It's, it's extraordinary. So she, you know, he's kind of the politician boy, and she, she's like the super rich like dilettante, you know, Chinese uh, magnate. And uh, so she's tied in with the CCP at the top level. And then, of course, if you think of Diane Feinstein had a 20-year a limo driver that drove around for 20 years who was a, a, a Chinese gentleman, turned out to be a spy. So, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. I mean, we, people are just not in reality. I mean, they're in a serious state of cognitive dissonance, and they just cannot, you know, I don't know why people feel starstruck when the Clintons strut out. They're just, they're, they're ogres. They're just like Shrek-y type disgustoids, you know. Yeah, I mean, come on. And people want to take pictures. I mean, I don't know. The, the American people are really just going to get, you know, they're going to bring it on us all, I guess. It is a wild, wild world. I mean, the only thing that we have, our only problem is that our, our concern about our children. I mean, if, if but for that, we would probably be more unmoored, but we have to, like, hold it together. Because we have the, the, you know, the, you know what I mean, and like we're we're like in a world now, like how do we explain this to them? Like, I got, Afghanistan. I mean, it's just, I mean, we're probably removed from it. We don't have sons there or children there, so you know, daughters there or whatever. But just think how how horrifying that still is to people right now. And then, and then the guy who decided to crash the the Wisconsin parade and just run over a bunch of people, the dancing yeah. grannies. I mean, you're the guy. Who run over the dancing grannies? I mean, wow. I mean, what the? Well, I mean, I don't even know how to even explain that. Yeah, how do you explain that to your kids? Like, what kind of world we're dealing with? Um, I've, always, I've always explained it to my kids. I've always just said, you know, the world is a savage place, and you've got to eke out your own piece in it. Which they do. I think when I look at my kids, I, I can sense that they're, like, I, you know, my, my, maybe my, when I was, I mean, my upbringing was troubled or whatever, whatever. But I think that they had a really, like, solid and healthy, healthier upbringing, and it shows. So I feel good about that. I see how level-headed they are and how unencumbered they are by, like, personal fears or doubts or, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. They just have, they just seem to be strong and, and free. And so that's what I, I feel, like, good about that, you know, that, that. You know, just yeah. let them, like, you know, have the future. The future is theirs. And then that makes, leaves me free to just kind of go on and figure it out. I mean, I don't know. Too many secrets. There are too many secrets. You know, they say not enough because a lack of a moratorium on truth is what we have. And they, they say that secrets make you sick, so if that's the case. God says, says uh, good works are done in the light where all men can see that they're good works and of God. I didn't quote that right, but that's what the gist of it is. I think you got it pretty close. I think that the other, the other parts of it, too, about uh, all... Things done in darkness will be brought out to light, kind of thing too, which which keeps us accountable and it reminds us of you know because we're all as men especially we're all given to you know be corruptible and to be pigly and so we have to I think that the Lord uh, that, that that I think it's the stature of of the Lord you know it, it, as far as like when you read the Gospels and just take, when men see the measure of the man. It keeps us in, in check, you know, like the way I, the way lions operate, you know, you have to remember that the pe people who are the most foolish, the most destructive and wicked are the people that have no fear of God. I'm convinced of that. And yeah, it says, it says, your enemy, the devil, walketh around uh, devouring who he may. It's, and then Jesus says the the eye is the light of the soul. If that light be dark, how dark? How how much darkness is it? Right. I remember that. I remember that verse totally, and I, I remember that verse touching me and, and making me think. Don't let that be you. You know, don't let you. Don't let your eye be 
darkened and your heart be darkened and your, you know what I mean? Get a hard heart. You know what I mean? That was yeah. Pharaoh's problem. Is he, and he was, he, he got to be Pharaoh, so that was pretty special, but he still had a hard heart, so he couldn't, you know, that just corrupts a man and, and it, you know, it, it makes you ineligible to continue with the Lord, and I think that's the worst thing that could happen to anybody, you know, and yeah, remaining humble is, you know, I think that even when I look at, I was talking to my wife about that. I mean, I was even looking at like, like some of these really super rich guys. Like if you look closely at their lives, it's kind of sad. I mean, there's some sad little things that pop out, you know, difficulties that, you know, I mean, cause they have it all, but on some level it must be really tasteless and dry and empty, you know? So, well, I find out that maybe their lives are not as as desirable and envious as um, people imagine them to be. You know, we all imagine that. I mean, people are moved so much by greed and by their desire. I mean, when I think of the Clinton Initiative, like I'm not a lawyer and I got I don't have any like specific like paperwork here. I don't have any like records of of, of like documentation. But I mean, just from doing what a little bit of news research you can do. You can see that. Well, the Clinton Foundation went down to uh, Haiti to build houses. You know, you know how many houses they built? How many? One. <laughs> All those billions of dollars that were poured into the Clinton Foundation, they built one house. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think when they left, they snatched a bunch of kids with them. Some, uh, some missing children. I don't know. These people are monstrous people. I mean, uh, they're 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 like a disease, and they just keep seem to they seem to just keep on living and living. Like George Soros, he's like some kind of weird Darth Vader, and he just won't die. <laughs> I mean, I remember the stuff with uh, with with Rockefeller, with David Rockefeller. I mean, he finally got very very old and passed away. And uh, since then, a lot of information has come out, finally, you know, I mean, it, it seems like when these individuals finally give up the ghost, they truly begin to see more and more of the secrets revealed of what, what shit's been happening behind the curtain, you know.